Welcome to our third segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, March 14th, 2021. I am your host, Kieran Murdoch. Uh, on this segment, in recognition of International Women's Day, which was observed on Monday, March 8th, we have invited three guests to each raise any two issues they'd like. Uh, and of course, they are all welcome to comment on the topics that they all raise. Uh, joining our panel for this discussion, we are happy to have Senator Lincia Williams-Grant, who is President of the Senate and a lawyer by profession. Good afternoon to you, uh, Senator Williams-Grant. Good afternoon, Kieran. Thank you very much for the invitation to be with you and your audience this afternoon. We also have with us Ms. Lenisa George. She's an activist, a writer, and a storyteller uh, whose work focuses on the Afro-Caribbean experience of black women and girls. Uh, good afternoon to you, Ms. Lenisa George. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me again. And finally, we're happy to have Ms. Tanya Smith. Uh, she is an NLP certified master coach and trainer, uh, learning and development expert, and an all-round problem solver. Uh, she helps creative professionals and entrepreneurs reconnect with their true selves. Good afternoon to you, Ms. Tanya Smith. Good afternoon, Karen, and good afternoon, audience. Very happy to be here this afternoon. Uh, Ms. Lenisa George, um, actually, um, forgive me, I, I, I ordered the issues according to um, uh, how they flowed into each other. I meant to, I meant to begin with uh, Senator Grant. Um, Senator Lindsay Williams Grant, uh, one of the issues you wanted to highlight this afternoon was the question of why women uh, do not step up to leadership positions. Um, why did you want to highlight that issue? Uh, because I think it's a very important topic um, and it leads into the other area of discussion I wanted us to look at as well as to why is there a need for International Women's Day. I think fundamentally we're not seeing as many women as we would hope um, at the helm of leadership, whether it be in private sector or in political life, particularly because of um, from the political perspective. Um, I have had the experience of speaking to a number of persons and I've tried to encourage persons, women in particular, to get involved politically. And the most uh, critical concern they have is a fear of victimization and a fear of, um, of victimization from the, the sense of impact on their business or professional development, but also victimization from the uh, what they sometimes seem to be the the people who you are trying to serve are not as empathetic as you would imagine they would want to be. That is, they're very critical, um, and of course, there's also the stigma attached to politics. So that there's this great fear, and uh, I think talking about it, talking about the issues that present themselves for women when they uh, try to advance themselves to leadership position is important at a time when we are celebrating women and their contribution. Um, I also think that one of the other areas uh, that is of concern to many women is the balancing of interests. You have the home, family life, church, what's going on at church, and, and of course the work life. And so there are some who are very fearful of getting caught up in what is now known as the superwoman schema, that you're trying to do everything and then you have burnout. You, you just cannot balance all of these interests and effectively perform as you would like. Um, I think also there is an absence of opportunity 
for us as women and I don't want to I, I don't want it to be taken that I'm saying that there is no opportunity for us to, to lead I what I'm saying is that we don't often know how to go after what are the clear defined channels for us to get to leadership position how do I if, if I want to go in and I want to be a politician in particular uh, how do I do it where do I go uh, we we also have to um, second guess ourselves we tend to second guess ourselves as women whether we should go after a position is this one we should go after and and oftentimes that is rooted in the fact that there's this absence of support in our family life or in our organizations or even our friends and i've actually had a situation where someone close to me confided and said that they think that they were conditioned into thinking that they don't need to go to pursue higher learning and and this is from a parent and you've also had the situation where persons would say I don't think that job is yours I don't think that's for you and when you have all these bombarding you all these issues you're already fearful you're trying to balance all of all of the interests and you have that absence of support it means that you have to take a step back and say okay I'm not I'm not gonna do it this time but let's see what happens and of course, there's this this crab in the barrel mentality. Uh, we get it more so from a lot of our uh, uh, persons who think that they know you or ought to know you or have been familiar with you. You know the saying, "Familiarity breeds contempt." So they say, "Who, who they t who you think you'll be? Why you why it's you? Why should you be the one to be in that leadership position, whether it's real or imaginary?" These are uh, challenges that uh, persons have shared with me. I've experienced some of them as well. And it, it is uh, for these major uh, areas or these, in, in light of these areas, I think that we have so much work to do in supporting and mentoring, developing mentoring systems to facilitate our women taking up those leadership positions that are out there and need to be filled. And uh, coming to you, Ms. Lenisa George, uh, you also wanted to raise the, the, the issue of women in leadership. Um, your own reasons for wanting to raise that issue this afternoon? Um, my own reasons um, really is cemented in the fact as the oldest of three girls from my parents and um, being a business owner and being in spaces where I have to step up to, to be a leader. And a lot of it um, years ago was a trial and error situation. The present system that we live in is majority patriarchal system that allows for men to be valued, nurtured, and groomed for leadership. Um, that's a fact. Um, in order for, in order to allow women to live up to their full potential in leadership in leadership positions and be given that opportunity, that system has to be dismantled. And for me, it has been a lot of researching and looking at what exactly is the system that's in place and who is responsible for dismantling it, and how particular powers that be, as well as society in a whole, um, takes responsibility for that. Um, there's a research study that Fortune 500 companies that did that showed the highest representation of women in the boardrooms fared out performance-wise better than those boards that had a minority amount of women on there. So forgetting the, the, moral, the moral aspect of it, um, which is equality and being fair to giving women those opportunities and so forth. From an economic standpoint, um, we can see across many studies that women in leadership positions will do really well for the company, will do really well for our country on a whole. 
Um, so my focus has always been on how can we dismantle the notion that to be that to give women those opportunities and then the women that do step up to those opportunities and who are open to that don't all fit into one box. Um, oftentimes we ask women to go above and beyond what is asked and expected for a man in the same position. Um, and it's because, oh, you know, the, 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 the notion that you have to do 50 times better than them just to be given the same opportunity. Um, and therefore, that is where you see the whole issue of it being an unequal um, platform for women in leadership. Um, Antigua has come uh, far away politically than when I was younger. And um, it, we're not fully there yet, but it's still something that I want to see not only in the political environment, but of course how we do things um, in the corporate and business level as well too. And uh, Ms. Tanya Smith, uh, just before I, I, I uh, go to your first issue, which was the issue of gender equality, uh, I would ask you if you would offer any comments on what's been said thus far about uh, the issue of women in leadership. Yes, um, so I, I, I agree with both Senator Alicia uh, Grant as well as um, the previous speaker in regards to there is a challenge there with women, you know, heading to those leadership roles. How do we create the the path? So I know uh, Alencia talked about you know creating that path for women to get there, but it's not only the path that we need to create. How do we create the support? Because I, I did hear from the first two speakers about how do we balance you know all the different responsibilities that we have for women, but also how do we as women support each other and able to balance those things as well and support each other as we go up and create those opportunities for ourselves as well so i think there there needs to not only be that path how do we build the support because the support piece is what's going to be key in helping us to sustain that so finding the balance knowing um, that we don't have to do things 10 times better than men and being okay with that knowing that what our best is is our best and we don't, we're not in competition with each other, we're not in competition with anybody, knowing what our boundaries are and where, you know, what our best is, is and being comfortable and confident in that is what's gonna also help us in, in supporting th that structure. And uh, the, the first issue you wanted to, to discuss uh, was gender equality. Why did you wanna raise that issue this afternoon? Well, we all know with gender equality, I will with the pandemic, gender inequality has been amplified. So we've seen that, you know, through this pandemic that women have been stressed, but also um, a lot of a lot of the responsibility has, has fallen or impacted women through this pandemic. So when we look at the, the labor market, how many women that are, you know, the breadwinners in their household have either lost their jobs or have lost their businesses impacting them and their family. How many women have had to be the caregivers in their homes, either looking after children that had to be at home to be able to support the structure of the home with the pandemic, as well as aging parents. A lot of those responsibilities have fallen on women in the home. And we have seen through this pandemic how the um, gender inequality gap has widened and not only widened, but it's also amplified and really spotlighted that there is inequality. When we look at women that are leaders in companies, they have to deal with not only 
being the leader and, and looking after their staffing companies, but also they have to manage what's going on in their home. So that, you know, has put a lot of responsibility on women's shoulders. And there has not been, I believe, enough support for women to be able to handle that. So when you look at, you know, our policies and our legislation, legislation, does it support women being able to do all the things, be the leader of their company or be the leaders in their business and still have that support to be able to have childcare for their children, to have care for their parents that they're looking after and also for themselves, care for themselves, because it, it all, we also have to look at how we're looking after ourselves through all of this as well. So I think, you know, even though these things existed before, like, let's be real, like the pandemic did not create these things. It did highlight though, and also spotlighted all of the challenges that have been there and that have been impacting women for years. And I think now is the, the time that we have the conversation on how do we change things because we need to look at again I go back to that word support how are we supporting our women as leaders as business owners and as mothers and you know daughters etc when we are looking at doing the things that we know that we can do in in our homes but also in our lives and uh, coming to you Miss Lenisa George uh, I would ask you if you'd want to comment on what was just said about the issue of uh, gender equality uh, and I know that your your other issue that you wanted to raise today Miss Lenisa George was the issue of equality in the workplace uh, so uh, any comments on what you've heard thus far and then of course we could move over to your second issue which is equality in the workplace I'm in agreement with everything both of the, the, the speakers um, have said um, I think we're all in the same mindset um, as women with understanding the, the landscape and the environment. Um, Tanya specifically speaking to what has been amplified since the pandemic. This is what inequality looks like. Um, when you have situations like this, you will find that it heavily affects one set of group more than the other because it's an unequal society, sorry. Um, so I'm in agreement with everything that she has said so far. And uh, on the issue of um, uh, equality in the workplace, uh, why did you want to highlight that issue this afternoon, Ms. Lenisa George? Well, Tanya actually started out about it. Um, most of what I wanted to highlight was what that support actually looks like. Um, we know what the issue is. Um, the, bigger, the bigger discussion has to be what then can be done. You know, equality in the workplace looks like equal opportunities, equal pay, equitable assessment based on experience in work, no discrimination of any kind, um, differences are acknowledged and valued rather than, um, rather than sort of pushed to the side. Um, and you create inclusion um, for a better work environment for everyone, for advancing equal opportunities for women empowerment. Um, as I said, outside of it being morally the right thing to do, it's always good for economic growth of a country and of a business. Um, I read a study recently that said not till I think it's 22, 22 is when we would see um, gender parity as it relates to the pay in the workplace, and I thought that was not. Um, so when you think now about specifically women in the workplace, what does that look like to allow women the space and the support to be the best? professional they can be not only for their personal development but also for the business at large it looks basically like sort of what um much of what tanya talked about about having um 
childcare support, um, flexible working hours. You know, majority of women that are in the workplace are also mothers, and they're also wives as well too. So when they leave the workplace, they go home to do additional work. Um, how are we supporting that? And um, oftentimes the discussion is, okay, well, that's the woman's work. Um, you just have to figure out how to get it done, which goes back to the spot of where I feel oftentimes we ask women to accept that this is what the situation is, and they have to find a way to work through it. And we do that without offering any sort of support. Um, and I would love to see for more businesses understand that for the, to increase their growth, increase revenue in whatever service or product business that they're in, they have to nurture um, an equitable and also an equal working space for both men and women and other vulnerable groups. Because what you will see is that you will pull the best out of the resources, which are your human resources. Um, so I do want to see that businesses make allowances um, and that also we have laws in place that protect women in the workplace. Um, and all of that really is just to ensure that they are given the space and opportunity to achieve their best, which honestly, as I continually say, for everybody, everybody. Uh, and uh, coming back to you, Senator Grant, uh, on the issues of... Um and gender equality and also equality in the workplace. Um, do you think that those uh, are critical issues in Antigua and Barbuda, and how do you think we're how well do you think we're dealing with them? They're more than critical issues, um, and I think it the COVID uh, situation that we've all found ourselves in has presented us with an opportunity to really regroup. It, it for me has said that we really don't need to be in our offices 24 seven. Um, and so the, the, the employers, as Lisa has advocated, we need, as employers, myself included, need to reassess whether the way we are accustomed to doing business is going to be the way that we should continue. Um, and also in doing so, how do we allow for the support mechanisms needed for our women or women who are 24 seven working because we have to juggle so much as we all of the speakers have, have expressed today. And for me, COVID, as I said, has presented us the opportunity to regroup. So do we now say that um, because you are a mother of, with five children, do you need to come in at eight o'clock or 7.45 for eight o'clock job when you can come a little later, stay for full for a shorter period of time and continue your work at home while you take care of your children. Is that something that we can, you know, look at incorporating? Uh, I think um, the support mechanism is, is going to be very, very important for us going forward. Uh, and I know one of your, your, one of the panelists today will be speaking on the mental health issues because that has given has given it's, it's raised has been has has developed a, some prominence i think that is what i want to say um in this pandemic as well the strain the stress that we women have always been experiencing has come to light now that we have to stay in the four corners um of a room of a building for longer periods of time 
and how are we dealing with that and and in 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 addressing that issue we're also looking at violence against women because that has peaked that has been a very um sad reality for so many of our women who we've been trying to support over the years in violent situations that they are now enclosed in this environment because of the law that is in place what are we doing insofar as their their interests are concerned i mean so many so many opportunities for us to grow and develop and to to bring about the gender parity that we need to close that gender gap that is needed and and to preserve and protect our women at this time the opportunities i think are now unreal and the discussion needs to continue and uh, coming to you miss tanya smith the second issue you wanted to raise this afternoon was the issue of women's well-being uh, mental and physical um why did you want to raise that issue this afternoon I wanted to raise that issue this afternoon because I think it's something that I have seen in the work that I do with women, something that has really been boggling my mind and bothering me that women in leadership positions felt that they were suffering from, you know, mental health or they were having some challenges with well-being and they didn't think that it was okay to speak about it or to raise their hand and say, you know what, I need a break. I need a, a few days off to be able to just regroup and find my bearings. I found so many women at executive leadership positions, but at all levels in organizations had, you know, felt bad that they had these things happening to them and they couldn't speak about it. And I found it to be really disheartening for me because when we look at it and we, and the previous speakers talked about leadership and um, being able to go up that ladder, some women felt that they couldn't bring up those situations or talk about them because it would impact their career in a negative way. And when we look at some of the challenges from the pandemic with, um, you know, being women shouldering many of the responsibilities of, you know, having to be at home, having to run their businesses, having to look after everybody except for themselves, it's, you know, who is looking after that woman that's leading those, those, those companies, that's leading that business. And I think when we look at, you know, creating some of the, or reach, or re, I guess, reach, retransitioning some of the policies that we have, how do we look at mental health? Why is it looked at as a, as a negative thing for someone to be going through? And, you know, if we say, if, we, if somebody says, you know, I have cancer, no one thinks anything negative about that. But if somebody says I have, you know, a mental health challenge or, you know, I'm suffering with this health, you know, this health challenge, it's I find that mental health is looked at in a very negative way within our community and our culture, and it's not serving us. So how do we, we help women feel that it's OK to speak out about these things? The other thing that um, Senator Grant had also um, just mentioned is, you know, the violence in the homes. So in the pandemic, a lot of people were, you know, isolated in their homes and some of their home situations may not have been pleasant. But again, how do we allow women to come forth and, and speak freely and comfortably about those situations without feeling that they're going to be shunned or looked at negatively and impacting anything that they do from a career perspective or a leadership perspective or a business perspective. So I think, you know, when we when we look at all of, you know, the, the gender inequalities and the mental health and all the things that the previous speakers have spoke about, it, it really 
tells me that we need to go back and look at some of our policies and our legislation and how do we incorporate um, some of those those things that are going to support women better and also how do we get women more involved when we're creating those policies because when we're when we're looking at you know doing something that's going to be equal and, and helpful to women how do we incorporate more women in creating and writing those policies um, to make sure that those those gaps are closed because um, I think it's going to be important to to support not only the community and supporting women, but it's going to also create change that we need to see to, to be able to elevate women in many in many different areas from an economic and a socioeconomic perspective. Uh, and Miss Lenisa, Miss Lenisa George, on the issue of um, on the issue of uh, women's health, uh, mental health particularly, Miss um, uh, Tanya Smith raised the issue of not being. Uh, uh, not feeling like one is able to, to to openly say, well, look, I am I am experiencing uh, X, Y, or Z, and I need a break. Uh, is that something that you've observed as well? Uh, what, what would you comment? Um, it's not even an observance. It's actually my personal experience. It's interesting, Tanya said what she said. A lot of what she said is actually my personal experience in the last three years. Um, so the only reason I've been able to, the pandemic hit early 2020. We're in a year of it now. The only reason I've been able to navigate the pandemic um, as well as I've been able to is because I was actually in therapy before. I started going to therapy at the end of 2018 because I was struggling and it started to affect um, my professional life. Um, so I had to retreat and I had to actively go into therapy. Um, and there was a lot of, as much as something that I was advocating before, I was always outside of it until I was thrown into it, now having to experience it. Um, now having to go to therapy to try to figure out how am I supposed to navigate all these things happening in life. And then how do I articulate that to my family and friends? Um, and how do I navigate work with this in play? I remember, I remember one situation, because um, as I said, it's because it started to negatively affect how I was able to deal with clients. Is why I was like, yeah, I went to therapy and I was like, look, I, this, is, this is now affecting work. So I need to figure out how to, to, to fix this. And um, I remember, you know, having to call a client and to apologize about, hey, I'm sorry I missed this deadline and this and that happened or whatever else not. You know, I didn't go into full um, depth about what I was dealing with, but I literally said to them, this is what I'm dealing with. And for that reason, um, it was a struggle to get this particular, um, these particular deliverables done. And I do apologize for that. And this is how I'll make up with whatever person said to me, everybody have problems, figure out yours. Mm. And I, I was gutted at that. Um, and it took me a few days to catch myself back because then I'm like, oh, this is really something that I need to keep to myself. Um, so oftentimes when people ask me how I was doing, I would say I'm okay. My close family and friends, they, they understood, okay, Lenisa is dealing with these particular things. Um, and of course, the therapy, there are certain like, you know, homework activities and things that you need to do um, to learn how to, as I said, navigate life, um, personal, emotional, as well as my professional life better and how to deal with triggers as well to creating clear boundaries. Um, and the, so that support for me came from the women in my circle and especially my parents and my sisters, having to sit down and explain to them, hey, I am not well, this is what I'm dealing with. 
It's going to take me some time to get there. This is how I'm working towards it. And that support is super important because I could not have done it myself, by myself. And it was because I was in therapy before and continued it, not as much as before, um, because I started to navigate things a bit better, was why I've been able to function in the last year. I think if this pandemic had happened like two years before, I have no idea where I would have been because I would not have been able to um, deal with it. So a lot of times we're very dismissive of, of mental health because people don't talk about it because there's a lot of shame attached to it. I'm not married. I don't have any children. What in the world issues could Lenisa possibly have? What mental health issues could she possibly have? And is that kind of dismissiveness um, for women and, you know, in society on a whole, you find that everybody just keeps it in. And, you know, we're expected, we're expected as women to be the strongest, regardless of what you're dealing with. You know, everybody always holds it up as a, as a, um, as a trophy, that you're a strong woman. Um, I'd like to be weak. I'd like to say I need help. Okay. I'd like to say, hey, I need a moment. I can't function in this space. I can't be around these people at this moment. You know, I'm struggling in this area. And then what does that support look like? Also, you know, therapy is extremely expensive as well, too. And if you're talking about someone with a lot of bills, um, death, and, and children, and so forth, they may not be able to have access to that. And then you're also thinking about women who are in socioeconomic situations where it doesn't allow for them to even think about using their money to pay for therapy. Like, what is in place for that? Um, those, these are all things that concern me because before I was kind of the outside of it advocating, no more so because that has been my experience, although I'm still operating from a place of privilege where I was able to pay for the help that was needed. I understand that that's not the reality for a lot of women. So I'm in agreement with everything that Tanya spoke about as it relates to um, how are we helping women who have to deal in situations like that and then still asking them to go back into society and operate as normal. And um, uh, coming back to Senator Lindsay Williams-Grant, I would just ask you um, your thoughts on the, the issues of mental health and women that we've been discussing. Uh, just before I go to your final issue, which would be our last issue for the discussion, which was the question of uh, why there's a need for Women's Day in the first place. Um, but on the issue of, of, of health and mental health. Kieran, I... Uh, Lenisa, thank you for your strength. Thank you for sharing because so many of us are dealing with those challenges. Um, Tanya and I were uh, participants. Well, <laughs> Tanya, the organization that Tanya is very much passionate about, uh, WENTS, Women Entrepreneurial Network of the Caribbean, held a webinar this week with Sewell, which I was privileged, honored, and humbled to be a part of. And this, the session that I moderated had to do with this very issue of mental health and women. How, how are we supporting our women mentally? We've, and and Linissa said it so forcefully. Mm -hmm. We don't expect our women to be weak. And what does weak mean? In other words, we can't show emotions. We're most emotive people. That is how God has created us or whoever you believe our creator is. That is how we are. That is our, that is our makeup. But we're not allowed to be weak. We can't say, I can't do that today. We can't say no. We have to take care of the children. We have to make sure we get our work in on time. We have to attend to this, attend to that. All of that, those are pressures that we deal with on a day-to-day. -day. And it's been compounded by the COVID environment. And we need that safe space 
for us as women to be able to share because one thing I've realized this past week, that webinar session, and, and Tanya will attest to what I said in that, is that it helped us to appreciate that we're not the only ones trying to navigate and having these issues while we're trying to navigate this place called the world. There's so many of us out there, so many women at the top who are afraid to say, I need help. I need help. I'm not strong. I'm not very good today. I'm not doing well. And the cost factor, and 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 I support the the advocate, the advocation, the, the the admonishing that as legislators, as policymakers, we need to look at making mental health support more cost effective, because it is not available. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's it's it's. <laughs> Oh, it, it, it drives you crazy sometimes when you think of the cost that is associated with it. And I'm not afraid to say that I have had to reach out to ask for assistance to help me navigate these past couple of months. I've had tremendous stress in my life. And the last one being my mother died suddenly a month ago. My world is turned upside down, but people still expect me to come to work, produce, 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 produce. And it's challenging. Mm -hmm. And so I empathize very much with those women who are there struggling, struggling, and have been. And I think for me, this epidemic, this pandemic has caused me to look at mental health in a different light. Not just my personal experience, but from the experiences I've heard from other women, from our young people, our children themselves. And, and we need to become a little bit more empathetic as a people and not realize that when you say that's your issue and you have to deal with it, I need my matter done and attended to. It is most insensitive and you never know when the tables will turn. Never know because this is how life is, unpredictable. And and Kiran, let me save you the, the, the challenge of introducing me the next topic of why there's a need for International Women's Day. This is why there's still a need because there are still so many issues that we struggle with on a day-to-day, as women, not that, notwithstanding that there's a gender gap, and in light of the gender gap issues that we've spoken about this afternoon, there is still a need because when people tell you, why y'all bother about celebrating inter International Women's Day, Women's Day, Women's Day, well, what that? That means that we have a lot of work to do and we still need it. And for me personally, as a, as a, as a member of parliament, when I sit in the house or when I think of the house of representatives, the lower house in particular, I'm speaking of now. And I see that there are only two women seated out of 17. That's less than a quarter of the opportunities available at that level for women, for human beings, I should say. And only two women sit in that seat. And we celebrate, oh, um, Jackie Quinn was the first, and we had one out of 17. And then we had two out of 17. And now we still have two out of 17. It says that we have a lot of work to do. Because why should I accept, as a member of this population, and as a woman, that over 50%, or just about 50%, I'm not really sure of the numbers now, but the women make up almost the majority or at least 50% of the general population. But I can only see a quarter or less than a quarter in the House of Representatives. Something is wrong with us. And I, and I did I dare say that the patriarchal system is firmly entrenched 
and we need more than a Holy Ghost revival or exorcism to get it uprooted. It must end because we're spending money sending our children to universities. And you hear it, it's celebrated all the time. The, 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 the top performers in the secondary schools are girls. The top performers at university coming out with the upper, upper first class and upper second and all are, are women. We are the, at the highest level of leadership in our countries. Where are, we are they in the private sector? How are we supporting the entrepreneurial development? No, I, I can't hit the government too hard or hard at all when it comes to supporting these mechanisms. We have created a number of um, vehicles to facilitate entrepreneurial development, to facilitate women taking up the, the mantle at, ed, at educational levels. But where are they visibly? Where are they in terms of a political agenda and our leadership positions? And I must say, I, um, uh, Wentz was, and Sewell, through Tanya, Tanya's intervention, we were able to put together a good team of women throughout the region, including our members from the Antigua. And it, it warmed my heart to see that there are women in the leadership position. One of, the thing I will, one of the things I would encourage us this afternoon to do is to put us out there more. Show the people that there are others there. There, there might not be as many as we would like, but there are some there, and we need to celebrate and highlight them. We are just out of time for this segment, and I would have loved to have continued this conversation further because I believe there's so much more to be said, and uh, definitely we could perhaps have another edition. But uh, as for today, we have to wrap it up. I want to say thank you to all three of our speakers. Uh, Senator Lindsay Williams-Grant, President of the Senate and Attorney by Profession, was the last person you heard speaking. We also were joined by Ms. Lenisa George. She's an activist, a writer, and a storyteller whose work focuses on the Afro-Caribbean experience of black women and girls. And we were also joined by Ms. Tanya Smith, uh, an NLP certified master coach and trainer, a learning and development expert, and an all-round problem solver. And Ms. Tanya Smith, uh, could you just remind me of your connection to WENC? Sure. So I am the president for uh, 1Cs, uh, which is Women Entrepreneur Network of the Caribbean and Tegan Barbuda Chapter. Okay, so lovely. thank you, Alicia, for, uh, for plugging that. Um, That's good session and I, I have to say I, I wanted to say Alincia you know I've been following the work that you do and thank you for what you do as well to help build that leadership um, for, for women as as well as um, our other speaker speaker Alicia Lincia I think Lenisa Lenisa George yes um, George. So thank you both for the work that you do. I think the more women like this that we have in Antigua and that are promoting leadership and pushing women um, is fantastic. And I, I'm happy to have you both as, as part of the clan. So we are, we're <laughs> going to leave it there. We say thank you to all three of our speakers. And um, that'll be it for this segment of The Big Issues. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.